Hello, everyone, and welcome to another preview here of the World Tour, the second event that is the UAE Tour. And today I'm joined by Mr. Kurgo himself and birthday boy, Mr. Well, Ewan Wilson. And I mean, Ewan, happy birthday. And I hope everyone in the comments congratulates you as well. Thank you very much. Um, well, there's no better birthday present than previewing a World Tour stage race, particularly one in the Middle East. Woo! It's the UAE Tour, ladies and gentlemen. We're, we're back in the cycling season. I mean, that's your parents' fault. They could have uh, given birth to you at a time when you would have wanted the race. I mean, Grand Camino is very close. But I mean, that aside, uh, UAE Tour, I do actually like it, even though you and Patrick do not like it. It's kind of, yeah, it's the only thing now. Us people who like the Middle Eastern races, like the Tour of Qatar, that will never come back, even though I say it <laughs> on a weekly basis almost. But um, yeah, last year we saw Brimco Venipal taking the win, Adam Yates. Again on the podiums, winning, yeah, winning again, but it seems like this is the race. Well, he has won it, but he's just a serial podium finisher. And then obviously we also had Luke Plapp on that podium, but me and you in last year's edition, was was it a classic for you, or did you feel like it was just a bit meh? This race has been a bit meh for a couple of years now. The most exciting edition was the COVID one, and that's because we didn't know what was happening. It's since the pandemic spread through the peloton and the race had to end early. A world tour stage race where you have four sprint stages, a small time trial, and two sort of mountain stages with nothing in between. It's not that exciting. It ends at about 1pm, so most people are at work. Like, no one's watching this. It's... The one... Yeah, sorry. I just... I'm a bit... I'm a bit of a downer for the UAE tour, but this... What this does mean is that we are getting closer to real racing. I'm like, new spot and Paris to come. And there's no Galacticos here this year. Where's Pogaccio? Where's the Nepal? Pogaccio's team is literally called UAE, and he's not here. That says a lot about this race. I mean, even Johannes Ingo hasn't returned to this race since doing his first big win. But, I mean, yeah, you kind of alluded to that. What is kind of the route for the 2024 edition for the riders? Well, let's kick into this. Uh, we have seven stages on offer. We have one time trial, we have four sprint stages, and two summit finishes. Yeah, we'll, we'll get onto those. We begin with a 143 kilometer long sprint stage to Liwa Palace. Um, a lot of this stage is going to be on a straight road, approximately 70 kilometers. Yes, that's no bends. Great for television, I must say. Yes, but Philips won a stage here at the Liwa Palace back in 2022 at this race. This is going to be a common theme in this um, parkour. Then on stage two, we have our only time trial of the week. It's 12 kilometers long and it goes round certain island, Hudurayat. Sorry to all the Arabic speakers out there. I've been butchering your language. Pippo Ganna took a stage win here back in 2021. It's a very, very similar route with sort of a winding time trial with some open roads to let those legs rip, but only 12 kilometers in length. It's not too long, shouldn't create sort of gaps more than one minute between the, the stronger GC guys. Stage three, we kick into the mountains with Jabal Jais, the most underwhelming mountain on the world tall level. <laughs> Sorry. Can't give this, this race any praise. This mountain has been used on four separate occasions in the past. Roglic just won here, Vingal, Pogacha, and Aina Rubio. You know that, that meme of like the, it's all like the superheroes and one man who doesn't look like the others. That's what I know Rubio feels like in that list of winners. It's 19 kilometers long at 5.6%. All you really need to see is that final climb. Nothing much happens. I will also say Jabal Jais is a bit of an underwhelming climb. Usually the only, the final 300 meters is where some gaps are made, but no one's going to lose the race in that stage. 
Probably not. Stage four is a sprint stage to Dubai Harbor. Juarez Molano took a win here last year. Stage five is to Um Al Huayn. Here, Dylan Grunewege took a stage win last year on the Arabian coastline. Stage six is yet another sprint stage, which has a like strange. I mean, the whole like geography of this race is kind of off, but we're going like really fast down south back to Abu Dhabi, where we had the time trial on stage two. And this stage is like French inspired. It's odd. We're going to begin at the Louvre Museum. Yes, the Louvre Museum, like the glass pyramid. Apparently there's one in Abu Dhabi. So we're, we're going to be going there. And there's also an intermediate sprint at the Sorbonne University. Yes, probably France's most famous university has a campus here at Abu Dhabi. Uh, so this is like some weird French-inspired stage, uh, which will end on the Abu Dhabi breakwater. No real French connection there. Stage seven, the final stage of this race is a mountain stage. We're back. From Al Ain to Jebel Hafiz. This is the climb that we watched the UE tour for. We've essentially got one week of racing for... We've essentially got a week of racing, all crescendoing here, in 10 kilometers of a mountain. It's 6.7% at its average gradient. It's like a highway. It's very open. It's a very unique climb. It does get quite steeper points to 8 and 9%. And this is where the race will end. So, Scott, I mean, this is really a UAE tour like route by numbers is i mean i almost felt like that's the worst route maybe you you could do for energy <laughs> bottom uh yeah but yeah you're right i mean no team time trial would love to see that but i mean they're doing the best they can do with their geography you would say yeah that is true there aren't maybe more mountains that you could possibly use maybe like do chapel have feet twice in one week i know like or a time trial up Jabil Hafiz. Yeah, yeah, have have like a normal road stage one day and then do a time trial up it or or something. Jabal Jais has been a bit of an underwhelming mountain, so maybe make Jabal Jais a time trial. That'd be quite cool because Jabal Hafiz has has some good racing. Jabal Jais is usually just like a final mountain top sprint to the line. So a time trial up there could definitely make the GC more exciting and have another stage worth watching. Um, and then have a team time trial elsewhere in this race. It's just not very exciting, is it? Seven stages are just sort of meh. We do have a very competitive sprinting lineup and that will make things interesting for those four sprint stages. Rest in peace, Tour of Qatar. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm with Tour of Qatar, I'm like you with the B&B hotel. Anyway, that aside, we won't get into that, or Ewan's going to be talking for 45 minutes. Uh, the teams, we could start with the winner, but he's changed teams, obviously. No, wait, what am I talking about? He's no, not. He's just I was thinking, plop, yeah, Revko, Revko was the winner. Uh, but we'll start with third place from last year, UAE Team Emirates. As you, you said, Ewan, they are the home team, even though they don't have any UAE Team Emirates riders on the list right now. Not even sure they have that in the roster. Better uh, that—that's another point. Uh, what do you think of this team? Uh, we got Adam Yates. Well, who is leading the team? Uh, Adam Yates returning once again. He loves this race. He loves this race, and he has a fantastic record. He's been here for the past four years in very different circumstances, and he's finished on the podium every time on all three different steps. The podium in 2020 in that COVID edition quite literally COVID edition he won overall in 2021 he finished in second place after moving to Ineos Grenadiers in 2022 he finished in second place again and then last year finished in third place after moving to UAE Team Emirates so in very different contexts four different years lots of different rivals up there and three different teams he's finished on the podium each time it's very impressive and I think he should finish on the podium here again 
Um, he does have two very, very strong teammates, Jay Vine of Australia, who was on the start list last year, but didn't quite get any results out of it. Uh, he's making his debut this season here. He skipped out the Australian part of the calendar uh, after uh, sort of moving to Europe and focusing on racing here. Brandon McNulty, who's had a fantastic start to the season already with the win uh, in the Balearic Islands before winning in Valencia in that stage race. I think he's going to be in good support for Adam Yates. They haven't worked together very often in the past year. Um, just because of conflicting schedules, but I'm sure they will uh, they will be harmonious here. And McNulty's the kind of guy, maybe on a Jabal Hafiz, could pull something out of the bag, but he is riding in the same team as the king of Jabal Hafiz, Adam Yates, who's taken the stage win here a number of times. And if it went for Pogacar, probably would have a number of, uh, well, number of further victories here at the top of Jabal Hafid, which we come to on stage seven. 12 kilometers of time trialing could be a bit of a problem, but Adam Yates has been showing that he's been improving his time trialing over the past year, and I think a podium, probably the gold medal, is imminent. Oh uh, yeah, I completely agree. It's uh, it's a very strong team, and given the rest of the teams that will go through as well, they, they really are looking to reclaim it after Remco Vinopal winning it last year. But in terms of, like, the TT, do you think, well, they've got Miglubia on there. Brandon Minolto, we've seen, do a good TT as well. Adam Yates, is this where he loses the race potentially, like last year? Mignolti, fourth place at the World Championships, let's not forget. Um, but Adam Yates, it's 12, it's 12 kilometers. I don't think the gaps are going to be big enough for him to lose it. And he's not racing against a Remco Avon Apollo. I mean, Luke Plapp is here, but he's not shown quite the same form. But he's not racing against a sort of Remco Avon Apollo um, type. Or Pogacar, well, who's now his teammate, so that's regardless. That's like, doesn't mean anything anymore, but I think I think he'll be fine. He showed on Jabal Hafid last year that despite losing time there, he, uh, in the time trial rather, he made back the time on that mountain. And I think he's, he's definitely going to be in contention this year. I think he is definitely the man to beat um, coming into this race. He's currently racing in Oman in the Middle East right now. Uh, so this is going to go out before the Tour of Oman has reached its sort of mountain stages. So it's a bit of a risk. But uh, he has already got a top 10 in that race on a stage that was won by his teammate, Finn Fischer Black. So I have all my confidence that Adam Yates is going to get the win. You can't really say UAE Team Emirates without uh, Team Visma Lisa Bike. One of the people that you brought to the attention to most people. Bart Lemon, the former uh, soldier, he's there. He's been having a good start to the season. There's no, well, there is there, there one sprinter superstar in here, but it doesn't look like the GC is necessarily the focus. I would agree with that. A bit like a Visma Lisa Bike, Yumbo Visma team of old, where they would sort of have a bit of mixed focus. Bart Lemon has showed some good form at the beginning of the year. We have no idea what he can bring on this kind of racing format. Um, but we've seen the UAE Tour throw up some sort of strange results and riders really break through here. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does end up in top 10 at the end. Well, it was a rider in a similar position, Chris Harper, who broke through here back in 2021 at the same team. So maybe Lemon can get in top 10 and really make a name for himself. He's going to be like the new sort of former ski jumper in sort of former soldier, former former military member. But now, like, looking towards the sprinters, which is what's important here, Olaf Koy has already taken wins this year. He's looking on good form. He doesn't have his partner in crime in the leadouts. Wow, Bernard's here. Would have been really cool to see him here. It's a little bit of a reduced sprint train, I would say. They probably could have fielded a better team. But um, a lot of their personnel are going to Gran Camino. Get in. But uh, Van Dijk,er Van der Sander... They should be a good sort of lead-out um, train for him. Is it quite strong enough to defeat? Is it strong enough 
to beat J.K.R. Lula's sprint train, or even Astana Kazakhstan's sprint train, I don't quite know. I mean, we we probably should have gone to J.K.R. Lula because they have Luke Plapp, the third place, no, second place finisher last year. Let's not forget, he just pipped him on, towards the end. But uh, regardless, we're going to disrespect him once again. Astana Kazakhstan team having a, well, a fairly good tour of Colombia, not winning it, but taking stages with both Mark Kamadish and Hero Tahada. Both of them are here. And I mean, like you said on the echelon this week, you and me have been quite guilty of hyping up Hero Tahada, always looking for that next Colombian superstar. And I mean, uh, he, he never really was. And But taking a win in the Tour of Colombia will definitely be good for his success. But you and looking at this team, one of your favorites is there as well, a certain non-nationality rider, according to Pro Cycling Stats. Uh, yeah, what do you think of this team? Very focused on the sprint and then Hero Tahada, kind of like a free agent in, in a way. Yeah, I think Tahada could be the kind of guy to attack on Jabal Jais and no one marks him because it'll, he's not that big of a threat. Could take a stage win in like a Vingago style. I'm not saying he's on the same level, but like in in that in that kind of vein of attacking early and holding it out at the end, or like I know Rubio arrived with the same nationality last year. Although I know Rubio took the stage win on his birthday, he was uber motivated then. Maybe Taro Tejada is looking to do the same. Their sprint train is looking really good on paper. I'd say this is the strongest sprint train in this race. I think throw in like Martinelli and Martin last. This could be the strong, like, well, Moscon as well. This could be their final sprint train for the Tour de France. If they hit the ground running, it could yield some great results. Cavendish has a good record here at this race in the past, since, like, 2016, when it had that sort of big rebrand, uh, winning stages here in 2017 as well. Like, you would say he's got a pretty decent shot of maybe taking at least one stage. There are four sprint stages in this race as well. It can be a bit of a free-for-all, like, uh, stages go here and there. It's very rare that riders win all four stages. And we are going to see Mikhail Marko and Cavendish reunited back on the world tour level uh, for the first time since 2022. We're going to disrespect Jake Ayul again because I really want to focus on Team DSM, Fermanik, post who are sending their two biggest cards here in the form of Roman Bardet and Fabio Jakobsen. They've got a bit of a lead-out trainer as well. And I mean, you and, you're a big fan of Bardet. He's a very nice guy as well, but in terms of this, Fabio Jakobsen, he's already had races. I think he already crashed as well. Uh, currently in the Oman, Tour of Oman, I think. But yeah, how do you see their chances in this race? It, it doesn't look like Roman Bardet is here for the GC in a way. Well, I'm a little bit confused because Balde is supposed to be going to France next week and then going to uh, to UAE the day after. So we'll find out if that happens. I mean, this team, I think, should be focused on the sprints here. Jakob, so we know he's one of the best uh, sprinters in the world on his day. He's got a decent lead-out train here with Julius von Lemberg. And, uh, I mean, the the very talented, Timo Rosen, as well as the very the very talented and small young Danish sprinter, Tobias Andreessen. Small! Small, I'm stood next to him. He's one meter and 80. Well, I mean, I'm 187, so anyway. Oh, sorry, everyone's small compared to you. Uh, okay, fair enough, yeah. He's not, as, he's not as short as I remember. Regardless. Um, Jakos uh, should really have, have a good ch- chance here to sort of open his account for the year, but I am worried. We saw last year if the, if the lead-out doesn't quite work out for him, and actually in 2022 as well. 
the leader doesn't quite work out, he can be lost in the melee very, very easily. And I fear that could happen here when he's riding against stronger lead-out trains. They need to sort out their act. Um, DSM, who've had a good start to the season already, let's say that. But uh, I don't quite think this train is going to sort of stand out. Jakobs is going to have to surf the trains of Jake Alula and of Astana Kazakhstan. I mean, we'll see. It's a good opportunity for them to kind of practice as well. Uh, he is still... Well, he only joined the team in January, so uh, this is the kind of race where they need to kind of gauge themselves against the other teams. So, uh, like you said, it'll be interesting to see. We also have, uh, well, just going through the, some teams before we just kind of focus on uh, Jake Ayula. Uh, Sudal Quickstep obviously won it last year. Van Wilders here. Tim Merlier, who's been uh, looking quite strong this year as well, could definitely be the biggest card in terms of uh, the sprinters here. Ineos Grandes as well, Tobias Boss. He should be quite interesting to see if he's able to do something with his new team. Ben O'Connor, as you said, in the echelon, he won a race and they've got Sam Bennett in there as well. But even Team Jaco Ayula with the two-pronged attack, again, we see this for many of the teams apparently on this one. Dylan Hoenbegen and Luke Plapp. We also know that Luke Plapp crashed uh, in the tour down under, which was quite unfortunate, but yeah, do you think Jake Oyula can do something here or not? Maybe a podium in the GC. Plap, I mean, the route is pretty much identical to last year. Plap is probably in quite a good position to to do well. I mean, there's no team time trial this year around, unlike last year, but uh, Plap's probably in a decent position to just replicate what he did last year and hold on after a strong time trial performance. But as we spoke about on the Echelon Cycling Podcast the other week, Luke Plapp's World Tour time trialing record, individual time trialing record, is not that impressive. He is not really up there in contention. In the past couple of years since he moved to that squad, he's uh, he's rarely hit the top 10 at UCI World Tour level time trials. So I'm not necessarily convinced that the time trial is going to be his big plus one on the likes of Adam Yates here. There just isn't enough proof of it in the past. Uh, last year, of course, was a team time trial where he was being dragged around by Zinio Grenadiers' pals, and half of the team is is made up of people helping out Dylan Hunebeke and what is going to be quite a strong sprint train. I hate to be the guy who reigns on the Luke Platt parade once again, but I'm I would be wary to place a bet on him that he would finish on the final podium. I mean, you were the one who pointed out that he finished well in 2022 when it was an individual time trial, Luke Platt finished 102nd in the time in the individual time trial okay you could say oh was he not was he working for someone else that year uh, Adam Yates obviously uh, in terms of in Ineos but yeah it's surprising really yeah for whatever reason he's from the track yeah that record really just confuses me completely but yeah it was good you brought it up we might as well come to favorite part of the show predictions and I mean you and uh, who's on your podium for 2024? I'm going to say that place goes to Ben O'Connor of the Cadenage d'Azelle. Second place goes to Brandon McNulty and the win goes to Adam Yates. Do I want to put my, my, my new buddy Jay Vine on the podium or what do I know? I don't know. Um, I'm going to back McNulty because I've been rather harsh to him in the past couple months. I said he wouldn't be the leader of Valencia and he did do very well. So yeah, McNulty for second, Yates for the win. Bardes third, Adam Yates second, and Tobias Bus wins his first ever World Tour stage race. 
Well, I can't pick the same as you. That's boring. In, in terms of predictions, I mean, not one for the GC. Let's finally put some respect on Phil Bauhaus's name. If he wins a sprint this week, I would not be surprised. Maybe even two stages. Who knows? That's just very Phil Bauhaus. Okay, king of the sprints. Who do you think is going to be the best sprinter? That's more interesting in some respect. Can I pick two names? No, that's not how that works. This works. Gonna flip a USB stick. I'm gonna flip a USB stick to decide who I'm going to pick as my king of the sprints. So here we go. It's Tim Malir. Don't don't blame me if I'm wrong. It was the fate of the flipped USB stick. Uh, okay, I'm gonna well, I'm gonna be next target because this team has been doing well. So Mark Cavendish. Oh. Yeah. But anyways, that's basically it for this preview of the UAE tour. Make sure to hit the like button, subscribe to the channel here on the second date and extra, and let us know down below who you think is going to be winning. And uh, if you haven't already, check out the podcast. Or if you want to see more of you, head over to the Echelon Cycling Podcast or that weekly podcast. But with that, thank you very much for watching, and we will see you around. <laughs>